You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 60 of The Music Room. The topic of this episode is time management for music teachers. So I received a question on my Ask Aileen page. If you go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash askaileen, all one word without any spaces, then you can contribute your own question for the podcast or blog that I may answer in a podcast episode or a blog post. So Sheila asked a question about how I manage my time. So I will go ahead and play the question. Hi, Eileen. I am curious as to how in the world you have time for yourself. You have a great Teachers Pay Teachers store. You have this blog. You are continually doing great new things. How do you have time for yourself and to make all these great lessons that you do? I just wonder when you have time for your family. All right, so I do get this question a lot, so I thought I would go ahead and answer it. The question really has two parts to it. The first part is, how do I do what I do as a blogger, a podcaster, creator? And then the second question would be, how do I do what I do as a teacher? And a lot of what I've learned about blogging and podcasting and creating, as far as productivity goes, actually works really well with teaching. So I will try to answer both parts of this. I will be completely honest. The balance of work and life has been tricky. I haven't always been successful with it and I have overworked, but I have been better lately about finding that balance. And so I'll share what I can with you today. In a very early episode of The Music Room, it might actually be episode one, I did talk about productivity. So if this is a topic that you really are interested in, I will link to that episode in the show notes as well. So like I said, balance has been difficult for me. I have the tendency to be a little bit of a workaholic. So this is something that I have really worked on so that I don't feel that way and that I can spend time with my family. I do have a husband and two daughters. Jenna is 16 and Macy is eight. And I have really tried to work on that balance so that I can spend time with them. Lately, we have all been at home. So I have spent more time with them lately, probably as many of you have with your own families than I have before. But I definitely want to keep that balance so that even when things somewhat return to normal or do return to normal, I still feel like I have a lot of time with them. All right, so one thing that has helped recently is that my friend Tina created a course for work-life balance for teachers. So Tina used to be a music teacher in my district, and now she is a life coach. And she came out with this course, and I'm actually not all the way through it yet, but even just the first few modules were really helpful to me to figure out that balance of work and life. This is from Tina. She has a description of the course. She says, if I would describe the course, I would say it is a self-directed journaling and inquiry course for teachers who are seeking a calming, nurturing sanctuary in order to improve their current work-life balance. Along the seven-week journey, they will create new habits and goals, think deeply on their environment, values, roles, and their impact, and work towards practicing their values through their professional practice. So like I said, I will link to her course in the show notes if that sounds like something that is interesting to you. And it has been helpful for me, even in just the first few modules, to really think about how I can improve that work-life balance. But I do have some strategies that I will share with you today. 
One of the aha moments that I had through her course is to really think about what I do every day and then what do I love doing? So there are things that we do every day that we don't really love doing, right? And how can I delegate that work? So it might look to you when you think about my blog and my podcast and my materials and Teachers Pay Teachers, it may look like I'm doing all of it myself, but I'm not. (laughs) Um, I do have now I have two VAs that are uh, working for me. One of them is actually editing this podcast. So she will hear me talk about her. And the other VA I have working with me is helping me with some tasks that I need to do every day, but also helping me to organize what I do. So having people who are helping me every day with what I need to do instead of me doing it all myself is definitely beneficial. And it also might look like, oh, I'm on Facebook all the time because I have Facebook groups and I have a Facebook page, but I actually schedule a lot of my social media. So even though it might look like I'm always online, I'm actually not. I sit down on one day for one hour and schedule out a lot of social media uh, so that I don't always have to be at it. So this idea though of scheduling um, and also batching, we'll get into that in a minute, where you sit down and you work on something for a long period of time and then just have a lot of it done at once instead of doing a little bit every day. Those are both ideas from the business world that I've learned that I think can actually translate really well to the teacher world. So we will talk about that right now, batching and scheduling and a few other tips that have helped me with productivity, both with business and with teaching. So the idea of batching is that, you know, you wouldn't be in your kitchen and just bake one cookie, right? You would bake a batch of cookies. That would make sense. It would be silly to just bake one cookie. But what we do as teachers often we are kind of just doing one tiny little thing at a time and then moving on to something else and then moving on to something else and then moving on to something else and it actually makes us less productive. So if we think about how to batch being a teacher, as a blogger, when I batch, I will sit down and actually write four blog posts at the same time. Now that sounds a lot easier than it actually is. I don't actually just sit down for an hour and write four blog posts, but I might sit down and create all the images for four blog posts or for a month. And this also includes podcasts, so it might be blog and podcast. Or the next time I sit down to work on the blog and podcast, maybe I write an overview of what I'm going to talk about with those four blog post or podcast episodes. Then the next time I sit down, I might flesh out two of the blog posts. Then the next time I sit down, I might flesh out two of the podcasts, right? So I'm kind of like working on like things at the same time, which really makes us more productive. Then the next time I sit down, I might start putting all of that into WordPress. Then the next time I sit down, I might flesh it out, make sure all the links are there, make sure the images look good. And then the next time I sit down, maybe I schedule it all out. So the nice thing about WordPress is it allows you to schedule your blog post. And I've actually learned how to do that with podcast episodes so that I can have it done ahead of time. And it's kind of nice because I've been trying to schedule on Wednesdays. I'll either have a blog post or a podcast. And so sometimes I wake up on Wednesday and I'm like, oh yeah, my blog post is live. I should check that out, make sure it looks okay. Or my podcast is live now. I should listen to it. So it's really nice to just have it done ahead of time. So how does that transfer to the teaching world? I think it transfers really well with lesson planning. So I'm not sure how you have chosen to lesson plan. I've tried out a myriad of ways, but one way that I think works really well is instead of just sitting down to write one lesson, you might have an afternoon where you sit down and you write 
four lesson plans, you write all of your lesson plans for the next week or whatever that might be. By doing this, you can kind of be in lesson planning mode, right? When you're in that space of like, oh, I'm sitting down to write lesson plans, you're just in a good headspace and you get into a routine and a rhythm. Whereas if I just sit down and write one lesson plan and then the next day I write another lesson plan and then the next day I write another lesson plan, you're just not as productive and you're not in that lesson planning mode. Another way to think about batching with lesson plans, and this is something that I'm kind of wrapping my head around for next year. It's not something that I've traditionally done in the past, but I have been doing it with virtual teaching, is to write lesson plans that are similar for different grade levels, but you just tweak them. So like, Maybe you start off the lesson plan with the same song for first and second grade, but then you kind of like change it after that. Or maybe you have a first grade lesson plan and a second grade lesson plan and a third grade lesson plan that all involve centers, but the centers are practicing different concepts. But getting into that routine of like these three lesson plans for these three grade levels start off the same way, but then they kind of, you know, vary after that. They start off with the same song, but then they vary or they all have centers, but the centers are for different things. As a teacher, it helps you be more productive and effective because you kind of get into a routine for that kind of lesson plan template, if that makes sense, knowing that there are variations there. But that way you don't feel like you have like three separate lesson plans that are completely different for each other that need completely different lesson materials, right? This is actually an idea that I first heard about from my friend Debbie O'Shea, who's been on the podcast before. She had an excellent episode about classroom management that I can link to in the show notes. And I believe, I want to say she had a YouTube video about this very thing. So I will find the link to the YouTube video too, so I can link to that. And when she talked about it in this YouTube video, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's smart. But this was before the pandemic and I was just in the routine of writing six or five completely different lesson plans every week. And I thought, oh yeah, that's really smart. I should do that. (laughs) So when I started teaching virtually, I was like, it kind of makes sense to do that right now. Like, you know, have kind of a template that's similar for both grade levels. I also teach kindergarten too. So kindergarten is kind of its own thing. But with first and second grade, I've been doing that. I've been having similar templates and kind of tweaking it from there. And it just makes the lesson planning process easier. And it makes the teaching process easier because you're, you know, that lesson really well, you just know that this lesson is a little bit different from that lesson, but you still taught parts of it to both grade levels. So an example of this is let's say for first grade, you're practicing so and me and for second grade, you're practicing dough. Let's say you use apple tree at the beginning of both of those lessons. But with first grade, you focus on the first phrase. And with second grade, you focus on the last phrase. And then maybe the lesson is different after that. Or maybe you kind of go along with a similar lesson. So after they sing apple tree, then you transition into some melodic patterns. We're using some patterns with So and Me for first grade or So, Me, La, and Do for second grade. They echo you, you play some patterns on the recorder, they decode, and then maybe you transition into unknown song and you've played the pattern for that song on the recorder. And again, maybe it's different after that, but you have started with something similar so that you don't have to create every single grade level lesson from scratch. So I am still kind of like wrapping my mind around what that looks like, especially for next year when I'm back in person. But I have already started to kind of think about how I might 
adapt my lessons in the future and learn from the pandemic and what I've learned with distance teaching or distance learning. And one way that, and Katie and I actually talked about this in our last podcast episode, she talked about this and it was something that I had already decided I was also going to do is this idea of like 25 minutes of whole group teaching and 25 minutes of centers or individual work or whatever that is. We have 50 minute period. So, you know, you could adjust that for what your situation is. But even that of having kind of a template of this is what I typically am going to do is going to help your lesson planning process instead of always feeling like you're, you know, creating from scratch. Another way to apply the idea of batching is with email. Instead of looking at your email several times throughout the day, you could catch up on emails once a day or once every few days, maybe at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day or whatever. Instead of feeling like every time you get an email, you have to immediately respond to it, that's just going to cut down on your productivity. But if let's say you have planning at three o'clock every day, maybe the first 10 minutes of your planning, you sit down and you respond to a bunch of emails. Something that I also learned in the business world is to be more productive with email is to respond right away to the emails that you know are going to take you two minutes or less to respond to. And I don't mean several times throughout the day, but like let's say three o'clock is your email time, then sit down and respond to all those emails that you know you can quickly respond to. And then the ones that are going to take you a little bit longer, save those for another time. Another way of thinking about batching for teaching is copying and gathering materials. So instead of going to the copy machine several times a day, kind of gather all of your materials and maybe your copying day is on Monday and you copy everything you need for the week. Or maybe before your next rotation of lessons, maybe if your new rotation of lessons starts on Monday, maybe on Friday afternoon, you gather all the materials you'll need for the following week so that everything is ready. I have some bins in my room, which I have a blog post about those, so you can kind of see a picture of them and I can link to that in the show notes. But I have a bin for every grade level, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and so on. And so when I gather my materials, I'll put them at the top of the bin so that when I'm teaching that lesson, I can just go ahead and pull that material. And that just helps me because I'm not a very organized person naturally. And otherwise, I'll just lose it and I won't remember where I put it. But if I put it in the bin, I'll know where it is. So when you gather those materials, you might have a specified place that you put all the materials so that they are ready to go. If you are teaching virtually like me something that I have batched is creating all my links for the next week. So I have to create all of my meeting links and then after I create the links then I have to make sure that the meetings are set so that a student can't enter without me. They have to wait in a waiting room. And so I will sit down and I will create all my links and then I'll make sure that the settings have changed for all of those links so that the students can't enter without me and they also can't present. I'm the only person who can present. Uh, And that's been really helpful just to get that all done at the same time instead of, you know, doing one class at a time. Also, if you are able to link all of your courses together in whatever learning management system you use, we use Schoology. I actually don't have my courses linked. It's a long story, but because I have like every class has music, their live lessons at a different time, I just chose to not do that. But uh, my colleague Ashley, who's also doing K-2 music, she does have hers linked. In some ways it saves her time, but it also makes some things harder. Uh, So you just kind of have to consider like, does this make sense for my situation? I know next year I will definitely go back to linking them because it just makes sense. That way you can publish a document or a 
Google size or whatever to one class and it goes to all of the classes in that grade level. So just think about whether it makes sense for you. As far as scheduling goes, you may actually be able to schedule your content to go live on a certain day and this could definitely save you time. I, again, because of my specific situation and the way that I have my Schoology courses set up, I am not doing that, but it might make sense for your situation to publish content so it goes live on a certain day. Kind of that idea of me scheduling my social media so that I don't always feel like I have to be on Facebook all the time. Same thing with this, so that you don't have to be on Schoology or Google Classroom or whatever all the time. You might be able to schedule your content. All right, a few other strategies with productivity that have helped me. A lot of them that I've learned from the business world. This idea of three things. So, you know, if you like to check things off your to-do list like me, you probably have a lot of things on your to-do list every single day, and it can be kind of overwhelming. The idea of three things is to figure out which three things you definitely want to accomplish on that day. And if you get those three things done, you are going to feel pretty good. So kind of figure out like which three big things you definitely want to do that day. And then if you do other things, great, but you're not going to feel unproductive if you didn't because you got those three things done. It stops you from feeling like you always have something on your to-do list, even if you do have some other things on your to-do list Well, you got your three things done, great. I actually have a free three things list that you can download if you go to the show notes, which are at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash three things. That will take you to the show notes, which will also lead you to a sign up for a template. It's a PowerPoint that you can download, but it's also a PDF, so you can kind of choose which works if you want to print it out and write on it or if you want to edit it right in PowerPoint you can do that so again if you go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash three things all one word it will take you to that download so that you can decide which three things you want to do today another sentiment that has really helped me I believe I heard this on a podcast and I, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember exactly what the words are. They may have included a curse word, so I will take the curse word out. The sentiment is, if it's not heck yes, then it's no. So I've been better about this lately. I, you know, often have people ask me to present a session or teach at a camp or teach at a course or something like that. And I have had to remind myself, if it's not heck yes, then you need to say no because I'm a yes person. I want to say yes. I'm a people pleaser. I want to help people out and say yes. But sometimes, you know, I think it's a good cause, but it's just not something that I'm super passionate about, or I just have too much on my plate. So I have been saying no more often. And Katie and I, I think, talked about this on our last podcast episode, this idea of instead of saying the word but, you say the word and. So instead of saying, oh, I would love to, but I can't, you could say, this sounds like a great idea and I can't do it. So that makes you feel a little bit better. And you know, maybe suggest someone else who would be a great fit for that. I actually just did that. Someone came to me about presenting a session and my first instinct was to say yes, because that's what I do. (laughs) But I decided, okay, no, I'm going to say no and I'm going to suggest someone else that can do it. So that's really helped me out. Hopefully that will help you out too. A few tools that I've used for productivity that I absolutely love. Trello. I'm obsessed with Trello. It's a free website that you can use. There is a paid plan, which I have paid for because I'm obsessed with it, but you can use it for free. 
And if you're a visual person, this is great because with Trello, you can create a to-do list. And if you don't get to something on one day, you just drag it to the next day and there's no guilt. Like I, I don't feel like I have to scratch it off and then write it on the next list and then feel guilty that I didn't get to something. I just drag it to the next day. So it's super visual. If you like the idea of Pinterest, if you like the way that Pinterest looks, then you probably will really like Trello. Airtable is another great tool, which I have used for to-do list. I'm actually doing all of my to-do list in Trello now, and then I do more spreadsheet data and, you know, tables and that kind of thing in Airtable. But I do have a YouTube video that I will link to in the show notes, and the video is actually about how to do a to-do list in Airtable. Like I said, I use Trello for that now, but regardless, Airtable is an amazing tool. Also free, also has a paid plan, but you can do a lot with it for free. Google Slides for lesson agendas has been life-changing for me. I had a lot of them in PowerPoint before and I'm converting them to Google Slides. So the idea is you can write what the students are going to be doing that day in Google Slides and then you can link to any files you need like PowerPoints or PDFs or other Google Slides, anything like that. You can link to right within the Google Slides. And I have heard a lot of music teachers talking about that in Facebook groups about how they're kind of putting all of the lessons in Google Slides so it's easy to access. Slack is a tool that I actually have been using with my VAs, but I can see it working really well for collaborating with other teachers. I'm also using it for work with the Organization of American Kodai Educators. And it's really nice, like if you have a project where you're constantly just sending emails back and forth to a, one person or to a group of people, instead, if you move it onto Slack, then you can just go onto Slack a few times a day and respond to notifications without getting your email box full of emails. So that's a really great tool. And Planbook is wonderful for both writing lesson plans and just keeping track of which lessons your students are on. It's also really great if you have like, I realize you may not have a program coming up right now because of the pandemic, but if you only have a certain number of lessons before like a performance or before break or before the end of the year, it's great for kind of figuring out how many lessons do I have left before X, Y, or Z. Um, I do have a blog post about Planbook. I can link to that as well. And like I said, it's really helped me be more productive and kind of get a better view of what I have in front of me. All right, so I hope that all of that has been helpful. I'll just do a little recap here. I talked about batching, lesson plans, email, copying and gathering materials, linking courses, creating links, all of that, doing all of that at one time instead of spreading it out throughout your day will help you be more productive. And then if you're able to schedule content as well, that will help you be more productive. And then the idea of three things, like I said, I have that free printable that you can download to help you keep track of the three things that you will do every day. The idea of if it's not heck yes, then it's no. And uh, the tools, Trello, Airtable, Google Slides, Slack, and Planbook. And I will also link to my friend Tina's course, which has helped me with my work-life balance. I hope that was helpful. Now let's talk about what I'm consuming. All right, so I'm watching quite a few things right now. I talked in a previous episode about WandaVision. We are still loving that. And uh, Katie talked about Bridgerton in the last episode and Amy Abbott, who will be on my next episode. And I'll talk about that in a minute. She also mentioned Bridgerton and what she's consuming. And I'm loving that. But 
We have been watching Cobra Kai, which I actually learned about that. I want to say from Carrie on a podcast episode, Carrie and Tanya from Music Teacher Coffee Talk joined Katie and I for an episode um, this fall. And I think Carrie was the one who mentioned Cobra Kai and we love it. It's like a little bit cheesy, but super fun. Uh, If you enjoyed Karate Kid 1, 2, or 3, then you should definitely check out Cobra Kai because it's, they're just like short episodes, like 30 to 40 minutes, kind of lighthearted, not super intense. Some of them are intense here and there, but overall it's just like good TV. It's just fun, fun to watch. So it's kind of like picks up the character's point of view, picks up, you know, I don't know, what would that be 30 years later? That makes me feel really old, (laughs) but um, it's really enjoyable. All right. So like I said, um, in the next episode, Amy Abbott will be here to talk about gender neutrality in the music room. And it's a great episode. I hope you tune into that. Make sure that if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And like I said, the show notes are at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash three things. You can grab that printable. And I hope that this answers Sheila's question about how I do what I do, but also how all of you can feel a little bit more relaxed about your teaching life. Have a great day.